Bro marketing culture and sketchy MLMs have given modern business a bad reputation. It feels harder than ever to succeed as an entrepreneur, even though we've got an abundance of info and tech right at our fingertips. If you feel frustrated running your business, stress over your sales goals, or are baffled by marketing strategies, you've come to the right place. You deserve to run a successful, sustainable business without spamming all of your friends or wasting time and money on marketing gimmicks. This is the Sell It Sister podcast, and you're going to learn how to make more money without complex systems or sleazy sales tactics. I'm Erica Tebbins, and I teach highly motivated, female, and gender expansive entrepreneurs that selling doesn't have to suck. I've been running successful businesses and teaching others how to sell smarter, earn more, and create raving fans for over 15 years. And I'm excited to share what I've learned with you. If you want success without truly serving your clients, profits without any passion, or the next get rich quick scheme, I'm not your gal. But if you're all in as an entrepreneur, want to make a difference with your work, and are ready to run a business you're proud of, then get ready to sell it, sister. If you've been in business for a minute, do you have a plan for profit that won't lead to burnout? I'm sure that you have goals, but what about the big picture view of what'll take to reach them without working yourself into exhaustion, because that is a different story. One reason having a successful business can be so tricky is that once we finally start getting clients, new problems start to pop up because now you're juggling working on your business while also having to work in it. And it's really easy to lose track of how you can keep all the plates spinning while trying to hit higher revenue months. So usually what ends up happening is you try to create new offers to bring in more money, but then you're super busy creating, promoting, and delivering them, or you're extending your working hours into your personal time and it's making you salty, or you started dropping some of the plates and it does not feel good at all. And there's zero way it's sustainable either, or maybe it's a combo of all three. The first step to fixing this is looking at the numbers, but not like a giant overwhelming spreadsheet or anything like that. Just simple data that is the most important for moving the needle forward in a more supportive way. And that is why I have a free workbook and mini training just for you. It really is super quick, super short, but massively impactful on how you'll be able to make profit-based decisions moving forward in your business. And did I mention it's free? I think I did, but it's worth saying again. You can find it all at bit.ly forward slash plan for profit guide. This will be in the show notes as well, but to get the plan for profit guide, all you have to do is go to bit.ly plan for profit guide, all lowercase all one word, and you will get instant access and be able to see in a overwhelm free way, what the money makeup is for your business, and then use that to make your decisions on your next steps. Okay. on to the episode. This sell it sister interview is so incredibly interesting. I know this is one where you're going to be like, wow, I hadn't really thought of that. I, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm assuming if you're anything 
like me, you're probably going to think like, this is something I hadn't even considered. Um, and it might be one that depending on what growth stage you're at in your business that you want to bookmark and come back to, but it is absolutely fascinating. And it gave me so much to think about. So I'm chatting with Aaron Austin today, and Aaron is a consultant and lawyer who combines her 25 plus years of practicing law, including roles as COO and general counsel at IP driven companies to help the founders of expertise based firms build and protect saleable assets so that the business is ready to sell when the founder is ready to exit. Aaron's special talent is finding the quote unquote Rembrandt in the attic that hidden or overlooked asset that can be leveraged for maximum value. A graduate of Harvard Law School, Aaron has been in-house and outside counsel and an executive for large and small companies, including Warner Brothers, Lionsgate, MGM, Teaching Strategies, and M3 USA Corp. She loves to share her experience appearing in podcasts, webinars, and publications, including the Seven Figure Consultant Podcast, City of Contracts podcast, and LegalZoom. In her spare time, Erin clears brush on her farmette, searches for the perfect gluten-free baguette, and plays her son's drums. So this one is going to be incredible. Definitely check her out uh, when you're done listening at thinkbeyondip.com. And she's also on LinkedIn at Erin Austin. All of those links will be in the show notes as well. And now on to the interview. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the Sell It Sister podcast. I'm really, really excited to talk with you today. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. I'm very excited to be here as well. Yay. Well, I know, you know, in the in the intro, I shared your bio and all of that. But before we dive into what you do, I would love to hear more about like how you got here. I'm always so curious about people's origin stories because it, it usually ends up being something really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, well, mine goes back uh, probably five years now, and really it was kind of realizing the outsized influence that wealth has in our democracy, frankly, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, shame on me for just thinking everyone has, you know, kind of equal votes, and, uh, and so really it was like, how can I use my big company experience um, to help, like, a segment of the population that will support the things that are important to me. And really what I was after is figuring out how do we create an economy that works for more of us? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, having wealth is gives you a voice. It gives you impact and influence. So how do I get more wealth in the hands of people who are supporting my values? And, uh, and so for me, that meant, you know, more wealth in the hands of women, you know, Mm -hmm. studies show that women give more of their wealth to charitable causes. They share it with the communities. They support the families more with it. They um, believe that, you know, being able to support charitable causes is the most satisfying part of having wealth. And, uh, you know, they include their children in their philanthropy as well. So I'm like, that is what I want to focus on this next chapter. I mean, I've been a lawyer for a very long time. And uh, what do I do in this next chapter um, of, you know, working with this segment of population that I think, you know, who I share some values with. And then combined with the fact that I was 
having kind of my own midlife crisis, if you will. <laughs> um, and, and that, you know, I, you know, to be my own, you know, kind of meta, I'm my own avatar of being an expert in something, but who has not built a business that is scalable or saleable. And, you know, I, I've made a very comfortable income as, as a solo. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I realized that, you know, I'm the business, there's nothing else mm-hmm. to my business, but Aaron. And so com- combining the two got me to, okay, let me one, you know, focus on building a business that can scale and hopefully sell someday while working with this, you know, with women and helping them realize the wealth that's built into their expertise. So kind of circular, but yes, that is how I, I love got. it. I love <laughs> yeah. it. I, my, my mission is very similar and same like timeline and everything. I was running businesses. And then at the end of 2016, I was really just like, you know what, something, something needs to shift. And, and I really felt like my whole life I had really pushed against like earning money and that that should be the goal and everything. And then it was just kind of like, I need to surrender that like this, these are the waters that we swim in. And rather than like trying to swim upstream, like, why don't I try to swim downstream and take other people with me? So I love like the, the origin story is I, we are right there. Cause it's the same, like the, all of my clients are people who are more interested in wealth for changing the world than just for the sake of accumulation. So I love it. I love it. So I'm really excited to talk about this because I obviously in the, like in the world of online business, there is a lot of talk about scaling and I am somebody who is all about sustainable growth. And now I've actually been referring it to it more as like regenerative growth. So not just like sustaining it, but you know, so that it can replenish itself. But when it comes to selling a business, that is something I, A, know nothing about and B, much like the questions you were asking yourself, like when I think about my business, I'm like, yeah, my business is me. It's like people who want to work with me. So I'm like, I can't even, I can't even conceptualize it. So I'm just, I'm really thrilled to, to have you on, but yeah. So wherever you want to start, like if you want to kind of explain those differences and stuff first, just to kind of get the lay of the land, that would be great. Sure. Yeah. Well, I look at it as kind of, we start with the unsustainable business and that was, mm-hmm. you know, the lawyer selling her mm-hmm. time. And so it's an hourly based business. There's absolutely, um, you um, don't have kind of real stability into the business. You have, um, you know, maybe you have some whale clients. And so, you know, every engagement may be a bet the business engagement. And so that is a very scary place to be. It's basically like you have a job, but without benefits, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of the way I would describe that. Versus the next level would be a sustainable, which I equate with stability. So mm-hmm. maybe instead of having a kind of that hourly, you have a retainer based business. You're still, you know, kind of selling your time in a way, mm-hmm. but um, you are able to decouple your your time from your um, income in some ways because with that retainer base, you know, the better that you get at delivering 
the more profitable that retainer becomes. Mm -hmm. And so, and you're able to, you know, kind of um, have a more diverse client base and you're starting to be known as the expert. Um, and so, so you're not just an order taker, like you have kind of your area of expertise. And then for when you scale, you are actually like adding those systems in place. It could be with the team. It may be just, you have systems that you're using, you're using technology, you're using, you know, maybe productized services, you're doing things to help you create, um, scale. And by that, I mean that you're, you're not only is your revenue going up, but the profit is also mm-hmm. going up. So you're getting more leverage from what you're doing. So the more you work, the greater um, the, the, the profits. And mm-hmm. so that would be kind of the scalable. And a lot of times that means introducing intellectual property at that, that level as well. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the scalable level is, you know, you have a, a saleable, the saleable level is when you have that leverage built in your, to your business, but you want to make sure that you have the pieces in place that would be attractive to an acquirer. So when an acquirer is looking at a company, they want to say, like, why should I buy you instead of just building it myself? Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so you need to have some type of exclusivity in your business. It could be intellectual property. It could be your positioning. It could be your relationships. It could be your community. Anything that would be less expensive or, you know, it could even be impossible for someone else to recreate. So mm-hmm. it would be, it's, makes more sense to buy what you've built or developed than to do it on your own. So that's the exclusivity piece. And the other piece is that it has to be sustainable in the hands of the buyer. So again, if it's just you, like, let's say I have all those, I've got this exclusive, all the stuff, but uh, I have no systems in place or um, the relationships are mine and not my businesses. The community is loyal to me, but not the business. Like then when someone buys it, it all goes away. So they need to know that, you know, you will have your projections saying like, okay, based on what I've done to date, you can expect to make X amount if you buy my business. And, but there has to be something there to support it. They have to be able to go in your business and see, yeah, I see that, you know, she has this type of model. These are her, you know, the, the processes she has in place. This is the team that it will stay with the business. And uh, so they can see that what your success will be um, replicatable or even, you know, obviously they want to have even more success than you have. That's kind of idea, but, but at least they're not going to lose money. By, mm-hmm. by buying your business. So that's, I kind of have a, I, I do have a visual representation of this on my, on my website that kind of shows that kind of uh, increase in, 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 in saleability, put it that way. Yeah. That is so fascinating. And I, all I can think, okay. So like thinking of me and like my clients and the list, like a lot of my listeners is, uh, they're either like a service provider, like maybe they do branding or copywriting, things like that, or there's some type of coach consultant or strategist where it's really them and their knowledge that they are imparting on someone else. So like, I, and I do have a few people who make products, which for that, you know, I could see it's like, if you just teach someone how to make your product and they want to take it over. I like my brain is like, yes, I, that makes perfect sense. I get how that could be a thing. Um, 
But when you are like a coach, consultant, strategist, service provider, how can you start to shift the thinking towards like an asset or something that could potentially be saleable? Yeah, I mean, you need to start thinking about processes really is the key to it. So mm-hmm. whether you are, um, you know, want to add to your, a team member, either someone who's supporting you, those pieces that don't have to be you, so mm-hmm. you can create leverage that way. Or it can be, you know, if you have something that really is expertise, re- a certain level of expertise is required, then you add additional experts to your team and then you train them in the way that, you do things. Um, and so that is a way to, to create uh, that scale internally. Um, and, and the, you know, a, a more profitable way to do it is to help other people use your methodology. So mm-hmm. a lot of people come to me to, cause they have a methodology and people are asking whether or not they can use it. And so to be able to create some sort of program, either a licensing program or certification program, or, you know, maybe a train the trainer type of process, then they can, you're not the only one selling your methodology. You have other people who are also selling your methodology. And, uh, and so one, you have the revenue from those third parties, but two, it just kind of creates, it expands your brand. Like you just have yeah. these masters in the world expanding your brand. Um, and so, but you, but it does take that um, a mindset shift that what you do can be done by other people. Now, people do definitely have a problem with the, okay, I do it. It's in my head. All my clients just want to work with me. If I, you know, try to have them work with someone else, if they go away and at the end of the day, your clients want a result. Mm-hmm. So can you deliver a re- the result that they need in a way that doesn't require you personally providing the deliverable? Mm-hmm. So, and so that may take some time to figure out how to do that, mm-hmm. but that is the shift. Like to know that let's assume that no one will ever be able to do it as well that, as you can. Let's mm-hmm. say that you are a hundred. Will your client be upset to get 90 instead of a hundred? so long as they get the desired resolve, right? And so we gotcha. need to kind of make certain, uh, we, and you know, maybe we can get to 100, but even at 90, like I bet your client will still be happy with the outcome, mm-hmm. you know, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they, they won't make the connection between 100 and 90 because they won't actually have experienced 100, right? Mm-hmm. You know what 100 is versus 90, they don't know what 100 is versus 90. So long as you make sure they're satisfied with the deliverable and that they're the desired outcome that they want, if they get it, then they're happy. That makes sense. That makes sense. Kind of like just thinking about since you're in law, like if there was a prestigious law firm, it's probably very hard to get like the top partner as to be a client of that person, but you could still get a really good attorney that works with that firm and like was kind of maybe mentored by that person or whatever. And still, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that exactly sense. right. I mean, the top, the people whose names are in the, you know, the names of law firms, if they're still alive, you know, generally yeah. aren't, you know, 
drafting your contracts, right? Right. They'll take you to lunch, but they're not, you know, doing the work. So you have to, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So now I have a very good friend of mine is, um, thinking about, and she's sort of in the process of, uh, taking a, a methodology that she uses for her clients and packaging it up in a certification program. Uh, and I know that there are definitely, um, you know, like you were saying, like licensings and things for other people's programs. Like for instance, in my group coaching program, if I knew, like, I don't teach copywriting, but it's obviously an important part of growing your business. So if I knew somebody with a really brilliant copywriting program and they allowed me to license it, like I could use it in the program. How does, with licensing, how does it usually work? Is it like a one-year license? Is it like, I'm just, I'm so curious about it because I know it's a thing, but I don't really know the finer points of how it works. Yeah. So licensing basically means that someone has a piece of intellectual property Mm -hmm. and they're giving someone else permission to use it. And so that is a kind of a, 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 that's the definition of a license. And so that could be for a term. Typically the term is annually. It could be month to month, uh, depending on the nature of the, so it was something that could be delivered very quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking of an example right now. Maybe, um, yeah, I can't, I can't think of an example of something where you would deliver the whole thing within a month. So Mm -hmm. typically it would be on an annual basis. Um, There's different ways of charging for it. You could charge a license fee that is, an annual, a monthly, you know, think about software mm-hmm. that you have, right? So you get your, your, um, you know, your CRM, whatever you use for CRM or your convert kit, and you have a license to use it, you pay monthly for it, or mm-hmm. you pay annually and you get do another. And then there, there are also levels of intensity. So if you have one user, you know, it's one uh, fee versus if you have like an enterprise based solution, because you got have a hundred people using it then that's a different fee. So it's not just about time, but it's also about intensity of use. So there's other ways to do that. Um, Some things like a training program, you may license to someone and they pay you by the seat. So, Mm. you know, know, you're, you're, let's say they're going into a company to deliver it. And if, you know, they're training 50 people, it's different than if they're training 500 people. So Gotcha. Gotcha. That is so fascinating. So this all sounds very much like something that is like not a DIY, right? Like you're, if somebody's thinking about doing this, like go, go to somebody like yes. you, because <laughs> yes. it seems like this is something that could be very easily, like you could sell yourself short or you could get in like a legal mess or whatever. So yeah. What are kind of the steps that usually like, if somebody's like, well, actually I do do have my framework and it's really good and it's getting people results. And I would like to start exploring this. Like what are those next steps that they should do? Yeah. uh, Yeah. The the answer is yes. It's not a DIY job. And the reason is, you know, a lot of times we don't have all the rights that we think we have. And it's one thing when we're using something internally mm-hmm. to maybe, you know, maybe you have um, some third party um, materials in there. Like I have one client who um, 
has a license to the, I think it's called the trusted advisor. And so mm-hmm. he uses some of those materials with his clients and he has a license for that and that's fine. He can do that. But if you, he, he packages that up this part of his methodology, because he has his own methodology wrapped around it, mm-hmm. but in the middle of it mm-hmm. are this third party materials, but you can't package that up and sell that to third parties, right? Then you are going to get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Or let's say you had a um, subcontractor that helped you develop some of these materials, but you didn't have anything in writing with them. So you actually don't own those materials if you didn't have anything in writing with them. The subcontractor actually owns them and you just have a license to use them. So making sure that you have all those pieces in place before you kind of elevate its profile you know, once you start kind of soliciting licensees um, and imagine there'd be some sort of marketing around getting, you know, just offer this, your, your program, you raise the profile of something and the higher the profile of something is, the more scrutiny it gets and the more risk there is that any weaknesses in that foundation will, will start to show. And so you want to make sure that you have all those pieces in place. If you have something that hasn't been registered, you know, you can, with the copyright laws, you, a copyright attaches the moment that you create something. You don't have to register it. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't register everything. Um, yeah. but, but if you're going to package it and license it or have a certification program built around it, you need to make sure all those things are registered. Um, you may have been using a trademark that, um, you never went through the process of having properly registered. Again, you can, you know, use that TM next to it without registering it, right? And no one will notice, like, you know, you're doing your thing, no one notices, but then suddenly you're putting it out there and like, you know, like, wait a minute, there's a problem there. And so, you know, you want to just make sure that you have everything in place, all your IP rights, you know, your contracts, your registrations in place before you build on top of it then you'll just, you know, that that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. 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 That makes, that makes perfect sense. And I know, um, gosh, trademarks, it's such a catch 22. Cause it's hard. Like, and, and I, I have a friend going through it right now with one of hers that she, uh, a name that she'd been using for a long time. And, and she's somebody who gets trademarks. She has a lot of things trademarked and, she was, then she was finally getting around to like trademarking this and somebody came along and happened to file somebody who was using it for less time happened to start the filing process sooner. So now Mm -hmm. she's in a back and forth, like, it's just, it's a whole thing. And, Uh um, she always said that like her, the attorney, like who's helped her file them is like, you know, get, like file on something that you would be brokenhearted if you lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good. Like it, but on the flip side, like it, it's an extra expense, obviously for yeah. business owners where you're like, okay, what's like the gamble? Like how long can I go without paying the money to file? And mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's such a, such a guessing game. Cause it's like, yeah, you never know if someone's going to want that. But, um, the name of, of this podcast is actually trademarked and I, I've had to like enforce it and stuff, uh, oh, nice. before. So I'm really <laughs> nice, I'm, but good that you had the ability to enforce it. <laughs> totally. And so I was really, really glad that I had done that. I had done that and everything, mm-hmm. but, um, 
but yeah, that's, that's really interesting about just like everything you mentioned, all like getting the, the foundations legally secure before you start to go through all of the, the whole rest of the, the process. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I can relate to the idea of, you know, having something like, Oh, I love this name whatever. And, and, but things change. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I could have had five different ideas trademarked in the last five years that I've been going through this process and I would have lost money on every single one of them. Mm-hmm. That's not to say they don't do it, but you know, you may want to let it settle a little bit mm-hmm. you know, before, because you know, ideas are cheap. Right. But, um, you know, really how you're going to use it is what's important. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this was so, this is so fascinating. And now it's like, it's got my, my gears turning of like, oh, I wonder what, you know, like methodologies or things in my, in my business could be, could be utilized or like, yeah, like a coaching certification or just all of those things. It's it's almost like the sky, the sky is the limit, on yeah, it, but yeah. it's cool. It's cool to think about. Yeah. There's different, you know, again, there's different levels of it. So depending on the profile of your business or your methodology, you have know, certification program, obviously it works better when you have a certain positioning in the marketplace. So that right. someone else will want to borrow your positioning, right? Cause that's basically what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's when certification works better versus licensing, you know, you may have like a system, um, but that's kind of behind the scenes. So, it's, so no one kind of is aware of it, mm-hmm. but somebody else with less experience than you who's starting, you know, their branding, you know, consulting journey, like to, to license it and use it in their business would be a big step up for them rather than trying to figure one out on their own. Some people don't want to figure things out on their yeah. own, right? And so that helps them. Um, that gives them that step up, um, and, and, you know, so they still get the benefit of, you know, somebody else's know-how and somebody else figuring it out before them, even if it's not quite, you know, the, the, the recognition in the marketplace may not support certification, but so there's mm-hmm. different ways to look at it. Interesting. And lastly, is there, is it the kind of thing where someone like you could like, where you would actually help people f- uncover what they could also have in their business, right? Like if, so they're like, I don't know, it could be maybe this, maybe this, maybe that, like, are you actually able to be like, okay, well, like, let's put it all out on the table and see what we got. And like, I think that for right now, option a is going to be like the most viable solution. Yes, absolutely. That, that is how I work with my clients. I start with a full, um, blueprint, I call it. So whether they're at kind of the stable level and want to get to the scalable level or they're already scaled and want to get to the exit level. We start with a blueprint where I go on, I do a full legal due diligence of their business to make sure like that IP foundation is in place. And mm-hmm. so we look at from all angles and, uh, and then, you know, if things need to be fixed, then we know what needs to be fixed before we go forward. And then we also look at it from a strategic lens to see, okay, this is where you are. This is where you want to be. Like, how do we get from A to B mm-hmm. and then, you know, map out or blueprint out the process to get from A to A to B. And so, you know, for instance, um, I have one client who um, has a very stable business. She has a team um, in the high six figures of revenue. And in order to sell, like 
for people to be really interested, you need to at least get to that $1 million in revenue, right? And so for us, it's mapping out, like, how do we get from, you know, 600,000 to $1 million in mm. revenue, right? And so it, it'll, so it will depend. So we'll look at, okay, this is your current model and this is how you've scaled so far and what kind of revenue model, what can we add in revenue models that, you know, maybe you don't want to add more to your team, but let's add this other type of program um, or a certification or licensing, like what can we add that will help you kind of drive revenues up um, without increasing costs? Because otherwise it doesn't help that much. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's cool. That's awesome. Because I, I imagine it would be really like, I imagine some people are like, yep, this is the thing. I know what I want to do. Help me do it. And other people who are like, I don't know, it could be five different things and right. need help sorting sorting all that out. So, yes. so yes, I've had people come to me going, I just want a certification for it. Like I know this is where yeah. I am, this is what I want, you know, and they know, yes. Mm-hmm. So cool. So obviously all of your, your contact info and, and links and everything are going to be in the show notes, but I would love to know where can people learn more and how can they, you know, start exploring this or even like start working with you? Wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, think beyond IP is my website. Uh, and, uh, that is where I have, I, I'm kind of building a reputation as a graphics queen. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but <laughs> basically like whenever someone, if I get a couple of questions about the same topic, like I'll create a graphic that kind of answers, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, I, I've always liked to have one. I, it keeps it simple because you have to mm-hmm. keep it simple and it just kind of has the basics and gives you the overview and for a lot of people, it helps when they can see something kind of in how it all works together. It really helps them. So I, I, I'm like always with another graphic. So go to my website and you can sign up for um, all my freebies. When you sign up, you get everything, access to everything. Um, things that I have up there, uh, well, everything I've ever created is up there. But the, the latest things up there are a, I did a chart that compared and contrasted all these different types of licensing programs mm-hmm. from kind of the simple um, uh, license through, you know, a train the trainer through certification through, you know, franchise, not that I recommend franchises, but mm-hmm. just kind of seeing what, what all the issues are and the pros and cons of each. And, uh, and then I also have a self-assessment up there um, that shows the hourly to exit kind of that's unsustainable to saleable that yeah. we talked about at the beginning of the show that that kind of illustrates the steps and that you need to to be thinking about to make that journey through that so and then um yeah and then hopefully q2 this year i'm also going to have an hourly to exit podcast so we're looking out oh, for cool. that as well yeah, i'm very excited about that and uh, that's what I need those photos for. <laughs> oh yeah. Gotta get those before we started recording, we we're talking branding photos. So yes. you know, I'm pushing her to get purple hair before yes, she yes. does it. <laughs> yes. so, yeah. So it's, yeah, a lot of stuff happening this year. I'm very excited about it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was fascinating. And, uh, and I really think that it's, it's good to think about because even if you're still, you know, only a couple of years in, I think that it's so, especially for most women, like we're just, we're not enculturated, I guess maybe, unless maybe you like live in a family of like long time, high powered entrepreneurs or something like that, but we're not like enculturated to think like, 
oh, your thoughts from your brain could actually be like val- like super valuable. You could sell that to somebody. And, you know, so it's such a cool way of, of looking at it. So thank you so much. I know people are really going to get a ton out of this, this episode and definitely be sure to check out all of Erin's resources, get on her list, check out that podcast. It's, I I just, I know it's going to be great. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the sell it sister podcast. If you loved it and you want more, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode and then head on over to sellitsisterhood.com to join my free Facebook community group. And as your mama said, sharing is caring. So if you got a lot of value out of this episode, be sure to share it with your biz besties too, okay? Now get out there and sell it, sister.